Hey guys, today we're here on the e-commerce opportunity where I'm joined by Paul. Paul's actually someone that I think I met through a mutual friend and I actually invested in this company. So we're going to get to that in a bit. But Paul, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing good. Great to chat again, Chase. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited about all the growth that you guys are, are having. So I can't wait to talk about all of that in a second. Do you mind kind of starting with like a high level of your background and what you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So where did it all begin? I started getting into e-commerce after a computer science degree at Stanford. So interestingly, I joined early on a company called Nutribox, which was renamed to HBMN as an engineer and went from coding the website to thinking about digital marketing, e-commerce, building a Facebook ads channel, building an influencer marketing channel, just because we realized that the way to grow an e-commerce brand is not to build more features on your you know, custom platform. So through that experience, I learned a ton about digital marketing and e-commerce, did that for about four years and a half, five years. We can talk about that a little bit. And that led to me understanding a lot of the different nuances and problems that e-commerce operators have. And about a year and a half ago, right when LA COVID lockdown started happening, we started Archive in order to build software to help e-commerce brands automate a lot of their digital marketing workflows. I remember spending hours and hours managing digital asset libraries. I remember using these crazy spreadsheets to manage influencer marketing programs. And I remember talking to all of my friends thinking, you know, wait, this is like such a slow manual process. Like, what is a Shopify app? What is a Shopify app? There was so much opportunity in this, you know, booming industry. And especially given that COVID started accelerating all of this growth, it just felt like the right time to start, you know, building software, not just for one brand, right? And helping HVMN get its stuff done, but really helping all of these other e-commerce brands that are having the exact same issues, right? Typically brands care about demand generation, uh, brands care about fulfillment, brands care about the same things over and over again. So we think there's a really good spot for more people to come in and build software to help brand owners do what they do best, which, which is think about products, think about stories, and not necessarily worry about how to contact a thousand influencers or how to manage your asset library or how do you save your feed posts. So fast forward a couple of, you know, a year and a couple of months, we're now about 35 people full-time. We work with some awesome companies like Four Sigmatic, like Pros, like Magic Spoon. And we recently raised a really awesome round of funding led by Stripe, which is going to be a great partner in the in the e-commerce space. I'm sure most people are, are aware of them. And we're also fortunate to bring along some awesome investors in the e-com space. For example, Chase, who are going to be really, really helpful in helping us, you know, continue to grow and, and unlock different areas. Amazing, dude. I'm so pumped. Well, I want to talk about all things influencer. Before we do, we talk about some definitions. I know you guys talk a lot about, you know, nano influencers and things like that. Can you break down like what a nano influencer is and then any other definitions that you think are important to know before we continue? Yeah, for sure. So even before, what is an influencer? To us, an influencer is someone that has a platform that you can activate, right? Instead of giving Facebook money to show your content, your brand to people, you work directly with you know humans typically that have their own platform, their own communities. Chase is a great example of an influencer. He influences people on Twitter, through the podcast, through communities and events in a number of ways. Typically, what we focus on is influencers on Instagram because that's a platform that we have a lot of leverage and a lot of you know development done so that we can really crush it there. And when we think about nano influencers on Instagram, they're not like your typical influencers that are maybe professional and do this for a living and maybe they have a million followers. They tend to be smaller. So we define it as the 1 to 25K range. Some of them still have 1 to 25K follower range. Some of them still have really, really great engagement, right? Thousands of likes, you know, tens of thousands of likes and can really move the needle. But they're typically a little bit more authentic than your big influencers. 
you know, you, you can think of an NM influencer as your popular friend in high school that just amassed a few more followers. They're sharing cool content about, you know, their running routine, their work, a little bit of everything. And so it's this long tail of people on Instagram. Because if you think about podcasts, if you think about YouTube channels, everyone there is either influencer or they don't really get any traction, right? You either make it big or don't really make it and don't have an audience. Instagram is very different because it's kind of like a combination of this you know, influencer network where people broadcast a lot of content and also a place where everyone hangs out. And so there's this massive opportunity to work with these people that don't have a million followers, but there's millions of these people. And so when we work with influencers, we look for really authentic people that we can kind of stack up, right? If you work with a thousand of these smaller people, you can potentially have really, really good impact that might even be better. And sometimes it's consistently better than working with these larger, more expensive influencers that, you know, everybody's bidding for their time. I love that. So in, in your experience, like what gets these nano influencers excited? Is it money? Is it affiliate? Is it product? Like what's the way that you guys get these people to work with you or your brands? So we're in a fortunate position where we, you know, we have a lot of demand. And so we can be very picky with the brands that we work with. And I know, you know, same for your agency, Chase, right? And we only work with, uh, you know, nice consumer brands that have awesome products we really focus on gifting. There's a lot of ways that you can work with influencers. Like you mentioned, there's whitelisting, there's affiliates, there's all kinds of things. And different influencers might want different things. They might want a combination of things. But from our perspective, we typically work with companies that have really cool products and an exciting brand. And so the what we use to start the relationship is we offer the product to try. And so some of our product like Magic Spoon, really, really delicious cereal or Fort Sigmatic have some really high quality, you know, vegan protein that people can try or HVMN has some awesome uh, collagen powder that is extremely high quality. So these influencers are really excited to try the product and that kicks off the relationship. Now we work with a lot of brands to the way we think about our programs is we'll build the relationship and build a community of influencers. And then we almost like promote influencers to different areas within the company, whether that's long-term content creation, maybe we put them in touch with the social media manager, whether that's joining the affiliate program, putting them in touch with the affiliate manager or whitelisting. So we'd like to kick off the relationship with a really organic, natural, like, hey, we'd love for you to try the product, see where things go relationship, and then continue giving them product over time so they can continue to create content in exchange for you know product because they really love the product. But there's a lot of ways that you can take that initial relationship. I love that. And I know you keep mentioning content. It's something that we've talked about offline a little bit. And I know the importance of content, you know, in 2021 and beyond is so important. Can we talk about, you know, content, UGC, you know, ways to leverage it or anything that you want and kind of share on that topic? Yeah. So UGC for a lot of brands can be a cheat code. Some companies really don't like to use it. Sometimes it's for good reasons. Sometimes it's not for good reasons. Maybe a good reason is if you're a really high fashion brand and you're really deliberate about your, you know, the way your product looks and then your types of bottles that represent your product. But in most cases, that's probably not the case. And you should be leveraging UGC. So what even is UGC? What about influencer content? Is that UGC? UGC stands for user generated content. To me, the main difference between UGC and, you know, non-UGC is that non-UGC your brand team, your content team in-house commissions a photo shoot or something, or maybe your team does it or whatever. Usually it's kind of expensive. It's very biased because you're coming up with it. So that can sometimes limit creativity and, and it's hard to create a ton of it. UGC on the other hand is very natural and tends to be very authentic. And it's something that's created organically typically, or a lot of the time through your influencers, through your users. If you just have a thousand customers and your product is relatively shareable on Instagram, you're going to get a ton of content from these users. 
You're going to get feed posts that show your product in like a beautiful setting. You're going to get stories where people talk about the product, share their experiences, share how it tastes. All of that is really, really valuable. And we see a lot of companies do really well by leveraging their UGC for different channels. A great example is Facebook ads. What is the biggest problem with Facebook ads right now? It's we need creative, need more creative, need to test more creative, more testing, more creative, different types of creatives. And so having like a UGC pipeline, having, for example, community influencers or finding programs or, or ways to bake in UGC creation in your email flows. I know Chase, you, you know, you recently uh, talked about like a really great way to give people incentives after they purchase, give them a couple of dollars off to encourage them to post a photo review or video review, right? All that stuff to build that bank of content. You can get yourself to a point where you're generating a hundred, even a thousand assets every month. And the cool thing with those assets is they're going to be very, very diverse. Diverse people, diverse use cases, diverse settings, diverse type, photo, video, diverse looks. And that's really, really hard to match with a brand shoot because it's like with a branded shoot, you got to create a brief for every shot. So to get that same breadth of content creativity is very difficult. So now when you're testing that content on Facebook, two things happen. First of all, you can run hundreds, hundreds of tests because you have so much content and it's all different. The second thing is, especially right now, UGC can perform really, really well on Facebook. We see brands go from brand shoots to UGC and instantly see CPMs drop. Why does that happen? A lot of different reasons, but I think a, a nice way to think about it is that it feels a little bit more organic in the feed. Maybe it's like a little bit trickier because you don't, it doesn't look like a Nike ad. You know, it looks like just some other person posting on Facebook or on Instagram. And so it feels very, very native compared to your branded shoot, but it can perform better, especially when you factor in the fact that you can test so much. And it's not just on Facebook. If you think about your card abandonment flow, are you going to put yet another product shot on your white or gray background? Background? Maybe you have some beautiful stylized photos from an expensive shoot. If you don't, throw in some UGC. Throw in a story of one of your customers using your product, right? Maybe you have a microphone and the customer has a little video or of, of unboxing the microphone. You can turn that into a GIF or a GIF and put that in your email. And that can really, really help all of your marketing channels. Again, email, same thing for SMS. We see brands improve conversion rates by putting UGC reviews or UGC galleries in their photos, especially if you have like a, you know, clothing or, or maybe pillows that might give people different angles or different understanding of what it looks like in people's homes. UGC really helps tell a story in addition to being really easy to create. So that can help your marketing in a number of different ways. Dude, this is killer. I love this. I want to shift gears a little bit. So I know, um, I guess at one point you kind of were, were running like an agency doing a lot of this and you're kind of moving now towards like tech and kind of SaaS and kind of an app. Can we talk about, you know, anything that you're willing or wanting to share any, any learnings, um, you know, why you're moving in that direction away from kind of like just the agency to now like really tech enable? Yeah, for sure. So it, it all started with it, with the setup of when we, we got going. When I left HVMN, myself, Jeff, and a few of our team members, we were really excited to build Shopify apps. So we talked to founders, we talked to like over a hundred e-commerce operators and owners. And I'm like, what's keeping you up at night? And they're like, hey, like I need better like analytics tools. Hey, I need a better way to sync my Facebook audiences. So we had a couple of these ideas for Shopify apps and we started working on them. We actually built a tool on Facebook and Shopify and then that was live in the app store and we built it and it worked. Um, but in the meantime, we had a lot of demand for these influencer communities that we built. We ran this program in HVMN where instead of paying 100 influencers 5K, we wanted to gift thousands of influencers. And every month we would create these fancy kits 
we did a squirrel backpack, for example, we did like a surprise mystery magazine box, for example, and gifted those to 250, 500 plus influencers. And that would just generate tremendous value for the company, a ton of content, ton of awareness, a ton of sales. And a lot of other companies were doing that in the space, but in-house, for example, you know, Halo Top, they had like six to eight people full-time working on it. Um, and so it was hard. And we saw a lot of agencies that were tackling influencer marketing go away from this direction because it was super manual and they just want to work with a small number of influencers and charge a lot of money because, you know, it's just less work. So we we're like, Hey, we want to tackle that and we want to build that out. And there's a lot of demand for that. So we started developing a service which was formerly known as EAG. Now it's called archive communities, but our original name was EAG. And the reason we did that was actually to help fund the Shopify apps, right? Shopify apps take a while to build. And we, you know, we we're bootstrapping. And so we're like, hey, we're going to do this agency service so that I can pay for these apps. And after a month, we we did like a couple of days of sales. I emailed like, you know, 10, 20 people I knew in the space. And then we just never, you know, sent an ad about email since then. We've been at capacity. The demand for these gifting programs is so strong because no one wants to do them. And it's way more authentic than working with the platform. And the brand gets to keep the community, right? When you're working with, when you're paying an agency to manage influencers or you're going through a talent network, you're paying the agency and the agency owns a relationship. So it's not like a compounding moat, like SEO for your brand. When you're building a community of influencers and real relationships, well, in 12 months, that becomes more and more valuable. So the demand there was really, really strong. And so we were just like, yo, let's stop working on all these Shopify apps and let's start building software so that we can work with more companies because we had literally companies knocking down our door being like, hey, Paul, when can we start? When can we start? And we're like, uh, maybe like uh, next quarter or the quarter after, like, I have no idea. Like, I'm, I, I can't talk later. Um, and so we were very, very uh, not demand constraint, but but capacity constraint, fulfillment constraint, right? So we really had to get that nailed in. And then that kicked off a transition where we were building and running the service off Airtable and Google Sheets to thinking about turning it into a tech-enabled agency. So what's the difference between an agency and a tech-enabled agency? Essentially, tech-enabled agency to me has higher margins because you've built your own proprietary software to be able to run your service much more efficiently than just with you know humans and regular workflows. And so I think that so far, we've done a great job transitioning from our agency to a tech-enabled agency. And the next phase there is going to is gonna be to turn that into you know, full SaaS, right? So eventually, even with our influencer platform and program archive communities, we think that that can eventually be you know, so automated and so self-serve that anyone can just go on and our team that is currently, you know, our account managers right now, there's awesome, really smart influencer marketers can spend a little bit, a lot more time on strategy, a lot more time on enterprise support as opposed to on fulfillment, right? Because right now we still have a little bit of manual work, finding influencers, you know, responding to influencers, writing up reports and all of that, but all of that can be automated. And so it's interesting because we got into this with Shopify apps and we're like, let's do this agency to self-fund this app to, hey, wait, this agency has such a good pull. Let's actually have our engineering team write software to help make it a tech-enabled agency. And the really interesting thing is throughout that process, as we build that software, and so that agency is called Archive Communities now. It's a service. We build and scale nano-influencer communities for brands. One of the interesting things was that about six months ago during Thanksgiving, we realized that one of the pieces of software that we developed for archive communities was a tool to save and label stories. So what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? When we work with Four Sigmatic, for example, we're generating 500 pieces of content every month. 
We used to have humans save that piece of content. Stories disappear. So we had weekend shifts. It sucks. It was like everyone hated it at the company. We, we, we had to do it, right? Because it's a critical part of it. But we needed to find a way to automate that. So we automated that. And now we do that in, in, in a fully automated way. And during Thanksgiving, we realized last year, I was hanging out with Jeff in uh, San Diego. We're fully remote, but this was like the first time we kind of met in person in like six months. We're hanging out in San Diego and we're like, wait, what if like every app could just have this automatic like story saving thing? And turns out that every single Shopify company that has an Instagram account wants this because they're either saving it manually or they're not saving it and they feel bad because they want to go on a vacation over the weekend and they have got to check Instagram while they're on a date to save this like story from an influencer. It's like really comically like not a fun process. And so that led to our second product, which is archive app, right? So now the company is structured in a little bit of a different way. We're not just an agency transformed into a tech enabled agency. We have archive communities, which is a tech enabled service. And then we also have archive app, which is a full fledged Shopify app that is fully SaaS. And so we have two products. And the funny thing is that we kind of started out with Shopify apps and then went on the agency side to fund the Shopify apps. And then we're like, yeah, these Shopify apps are kind of crappy, like not, not as good traction as the agency um, service. And now we're like, wait, we discovered this new software opportunity and that is getting so much traction. So that is now like a big priority again. So uh, I think really, really following like the customer journey and watching what people are doing, how they're using our software or tools that we built has informed a lot of the journey. I love this, man. And the last thing I want to ask, and then if you want to add anything additional, by all means, please do. Um, you mentioned about 35, 40 employees. And I know, you know a fair amount of those are actually overseas. And there's a fair amount of people overseas. I think you actually went to go visit and meet up with some of the devs yeah. uh, in another country. Um, was it always the plan to hire kind of remote talent like that? Or did the, you know, the pandemic kind of what happened kind of force your hands? Like, how do you think about hiring globally and finding the right people all over the world, you know, cost savings, like whatever that looks like? Yeah, so that's actually a learning that was kicked off at HBMN where we had, you know, we had some people in house in San Francisco, didn't work out. And then we were like, hey, let's just try hiring some people, you know, outside, like let's open up to the rest of the world. Let's see what happens. And we did something very different where instead of, you know, giving like the tickets and like the easy things and the boring things to this offshore team, we're like, hey, you guys are full team members starting today. Like, you're going to join all hands. You're going to join every Slack channel. There's no like, there's no like offshore team, not offshore. There's just team. And like, you're going to get as much ownership as everyone. And when you do that, you really break a lot of the culture barriers and ownership issues with typical, like, you know, offshore teams. So we did that at HVMN and we saw massive success. And I think there's two reasons why that works. First of all, there's smart people all over the world, right? That's like hundred percent of the case. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, like myself coming out of Stanford, we live in this bubble where it's like, oh, like all the smart kids went to Stanford, all the smart kids are in Palo Alto. If we don't hire people in Silicon Valley, we're not going to make it. We're not going to have big business. But I think that's actually completely wrong, right? Um, there's a there's good talent density in San Francisco, but it's very competitive. It's more expensive. It's very hard to get good retention. And I think one of the most valuable things for a company is to have retain great people. If you churn your team members every two years, that's so much training compared to if your average tenure is like six to 10 years. So I think that's like the secret, you know, advantage of working with people across the world because you can give them like a sick job compared to, you know, maybe something that's like super competitive in Silicon Valley. Um, and they're just as smart. It just requires like a couple other systems and, and workflows to get the dialed in. So we had good success at HVMN. And when we started, you know, Archive, it was literally the weekend or the day that COVID happened in LA and 
shutdown happened. So it wasn't even like we knew we were going to focus on remote because we had great team members around the world. Um, and I wasn't even in the same city as, as Jeff. Jeff was in San Francisco. I was in LA. Adam was in New York. Um, and Evgeny was in Minsk and Mahal was in Amsterdam. And we had another person, you know, Gennady in Minsk and Sergey was in the Ukraine. So like the founding team was already in like seven different countries or cities. Right. So it was just like, okay, like this is just got to work. And we just really push hard into it. And we're like, we're going to be maximally globally distributed. And we're also going to very explicitly treat everyone like owners. So I think, again, a lot of people are like, oh, I can only work with, we, we have this like core team or, or headquarters and we have all of the smart people that get a lot of ownership. Then we have like, you know, we outsource some things. That's okay. That can work for some things, but that is not how you build a really high trust, really high performance, you know, globally distributed organization. You, you literally have to break those boundaries and aggressively, you know, make your culture open to having everyone contribute ideas and be on the same playing field. Um, and, and we saw great success there. And it was obviously almost like a cheat code, you know, setting up our company like that during COVID because we, we just never had an office. It was, we were always like 100% ready to go there. This is fantastic. I appreciate you sharing your time and insight there. Um, is there anything else that you want to add that we didn't talk about? If not, you know, I, I appreciate you, you being here. Uh, no, that's it. Sweet, man. You're the man. Thank you so much. Uh, what are the, the websites for the, the companies or where, where should people check out? kind of what you're building and then where should people find you personally? Yeah. Check us out at archive.ai, A-R-C-H-I-V-E.ai. And you can see our two products there. We have archive communities, which is great for e-commerce brands that are looking to scale their influencer marketing efforts. So if you're either trying to test out influencer marketing or scale influencer marketing, and you're spending you know, 100K plus a month on digital marketing, then that's going to be a really good fit for archive communities because we can scale that program for you really effectively. Now, if you're a Shopify, if you're a Shopify store and you have people posting on Instagram and you're tired of manually saving that content, then you can check out Archive app. Super easy to use app. You can join the waitlist on the website. It's all on archive.ai. And then I tweet about e-commerce sometimes. Check me out at uh, on Twitter at Benny Jerry. My username is my last name, B-E-N-I-G-E-R-I. Did you the man? I'll have those links below. Thank you so much for, for being here. For sure. Thanks, Chase. All right, cheers.